the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Is there a library, a bookstore around here where I get books on hunting? Well, anything at all to do with hunting or preserving the meat, smoking it, whatever the hell it is. Talk to Kevin over there. That's your man. Outdoorsman. What's your fascination with all that stuff? I'm going to Alaska. I'm going to be all the way out there, all the way, just on my own. You know, no, no watch, no map, no or nothing, no nothing. Just be out there. Just be out there in it. You know, big mountains, rivers, sky, game. Just be out there in it, you know, in the wild. Just, what are you doing when we're there? Now you're in the wild. Just, what are you doing? You're just living, man. You're just there in that moment, in that special place in time. Yeah. Maybe when I get back, I can, I can, I can write a book about my travels, you know, about getting out of this sick society. Because, you know, I don't understand... I don't understand why people, why every person is so bad to each other so often. It doesn't make sense to me. Judgment, control, all that, the whole spectrum. Let's just... What people are we talking about? You know, parents, hypocrites, politicians... from the crazy train i use that song from ozzy osbourne the crazy train because that's what i see also open up with that clip from a movie called into the wild if you haven't seen it, it's about a kid that uh just gets out of college and he watches his he watches his parents and how they're so disconnected from what he sees the world as and he decides he's just going to disconnect and he's going to find his way he's going to he he gives away all his savings to charity and he and he basically hitchhikes and walks from, uh, I forget what state he starts in, but he ends up in California and he stops to get 
some jobs here and there to get some food and get some uh, to pay his bills for to, to pay for the you know provisions. And he stops along the way and he's heading to Alaska, and he's heading to Alaska to get away from all the craziness and the control. You know who pe- who are these people we're talking about? Parents, hypocrites, politicians, and hey, you know what? What are we seeing right now? Same exact thing. They're trying to control us. They're trying to control, and the idiocy, the idiocy is is off the is off the charts. The 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 idiot meter is is you know, hey, we turned it all the way up to eleven. The volume control only goes up to ten, but this one goes to eleven. To use a Spinal Tap uh, reference there. Hey, so uh, we're going to talk about that, but all the stuff with, and we're going to talk about George Floyd in just a few minutes, but. Uh, and all the stuff that's happening there, because it's all you see on the on the news now. And uh, and I'm going to comment on that stuff. But first, uh, I want to talk about the COVID. And first, and before I do any of that stuff, I want to introduce myself. For those of you that don't know me, my name's Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, Call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free, area code 855-640-2020. We're going to talk about all the fantastic opportunities in the second half, which, as promised for the last two weeks, Josh Steck, the uh, founder of, uh, of Sunday Homes, is going to be is going to be with us. But, uh, but for now, if you're interested and you want to get involved in some of those opportunities, whether it's buying a piece of property that you'd like to own or refinancing a piece of property that you already own. If it's moving to a piece of property to get away from California into one of the, one of the states that I'm licensed in, which is uh, Nevada, California, Nevada, Arizona, Texas, Arkansas, Tennessee, Florida, Idaho, uh, Washington, Oregon, Colorado. I think that's all of them. I'm working on Montana and Utah right now uh, to get everywhere. Anybody from California might want to, might want to move to. Call me toll-free, 855-640-2020. If you don't want to talk on the phone because it's so personal and you want to do it the the computer way, go to edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. Click on the Summit Funding logo, and that'll take you to my lending page, and you can put in as much information as you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from either myself or one of my talented teammates, Eric Marquez, Cody Bradbury, Aaron Fredericks, or Brian Goodman. We'll help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle, help you get everything all put together. It's a, it's a jungle out there. If you haven't financed in a few years, it's, it's, uh, it's gnarly. It's a gnarly experience. Um, we will help you uh, get through that with the least amount of uh, unpleasantness and uh, help, you, uh, help you get through it with your eyes wide open, knowing exactly what to expect. and uh, you know get you over that bridge. Um, if you hear something you want repeated, also on edhoffman.net, you can click on the podcast page. You can hear this show as well as several past shows and click on it, download it, and uh, listen to it on demand. You can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes where you can subscribe for free. Go on there and uh, every week when we upload it, it'll download and you can actually get it a day earlier than the radio has it because we upload it Friday afternoons. So Friday evening, you could be listening if you want to hear if that's more convenient for you than the the times it's on the radio and uh, you can have it automatically download once a week. It'll come to your, uh, to your iPhone or your iWatch, your iPad, your mini pad, your maxi pad, your puppy pad, your computer, anything you can listen to podcasts on, it'll download automatically. And that's free. You can listen to it whenever it's convenient for you. And if you, uh, you know, some of you guys are listening while you're on the road, you're driving to church on Sunday mornings, or you're 
driving to Home Depot and you then you miss the you hear part of it. You wanted to hear the rest, but you were inside buying stuff at Home Depot, you know, the essential services for all this time. You know, it's amazing to me. It's amazing to me what what a California picked as essential services. We want to make sure you can get an abortion, but getting your uh, your tooth pulled, going to the dentist is not essential. We want to make sure you can buy weed, but being able to go to church, that's not essential. We want to make sure you can go to Home Depot. And I, and I thought about it. You know the reason why they picked Home Depot? It's because Home Depot provides a ton of tax money to the cities and to the counties. So all that sales tax. So some of the big, the big box stores, Costco, Home Depot, some of those big stores, Target, Walmart, those are essential, not just because you need to be able to get provisions, but because they pay so much in taxes. On the other hand, there's a whole bunch of small businesses that you guys, that we all own, and they don't provide as much taxes. I, you know why? Because we're so busy trying to, uh, to keep from paying taxes that we forgot that uh, that that's what makes the world go around. So anyway, that's just my, that's just my rant. That's my observation. I see things, I hear things, I hear things over here. I see things over there. I put them all together and I think about it. And my brain says, Hey, you're supposed to be, you're supposed to be out there making people understand this because most people don't, most people don't pay more. Most people pay more attention to the Lakers or the, uh, or the Dodgers or uh, the Rams or the or the Chargers more important to their lives than it is what's happening in politics, which really affects their lives, which then all of a sudden happens, hey, something in politics makes them having to stay in their house for two weeks, and they go, oh, what happened? It's amazing to me. So uh, my pastor at my church this weekend, last weekend, preached that liberals follow their passions conservatives follow opportunities and there's a third group that follow their calling. And I just feel like I'm called to help people understand because I see I listen, I think, and I think I have a, a talent for making it understandable. So hence I do what I do. So anyway, uh, what I leave out, if you want to follow me on Twitter, whatever I tweet that doesn't get, doesn't get, uh, uh, that actually gets to go, go on there. My, my handle on Twitter is at Ed Hoffman. And the Facebook page on Facebook is uh, facebook.com slash the main event at Hoffman. Um, so follow me. Let's stay in, stay in touch. Okay, so let's talk about, let's start with COVID. So just four months after the first U.S. case of COVID-19 was diagnosed, America's casualties from the coronavirus reached 100,000 this week, the highest death toll for any nation in the world. Almost makes you wonder if we're the only nation declaring causes of death to be from the virus, whether they are or not. You know, uh, one thing that, that coronavirus did, it cured cancer, cured heart disease, cured alcoholism, it cured uh, reckless driving. Nobody dies of anything but COVID-19. And it's hard and it's hard to believe. It's just like it's hard to believe that people are being called back to work and there's, I'm afraid to deal with the public. I'm not sure. And let me talk to you unemployed people or you people that have family members unemployed. The, the law... The law makes the the employers when they call you back to work, they give you two weeks. They give you two weeks. So if they're if you're uh, being called back to work, say, I'm afraid. Two weeks. They have to wait two weeks before they replace you. And when they replace you, they tell unemployment that hey, this person didn't accept the job, and you get cut off of unemployment. Now you don't get unemployment, and you don't get a job, and we don't want to hear you whine about it. So we know this COVID thing is a bunch of malarkey. And so get over it. 
the the money tree the money trees is has only a limited amount of, of leaves on there. So let's let's talk about some statistics from New York Times. The the death toll exceeds the number of U.S. military combat fatalities in every conflict since the Korean War. It matches the toll of the United States of the 1968 flu pandemic. It's on track to be the country's deadliest public health disaster since 1918 flu, flu pandemic, in which almost 700,000 Americans died. And here's the facts that they won't publish. COVID-19 is estimated to cost Medicare an additional 38 to $114 billion in the next year. 38 to $114 billion to just to Medicare. That's people over 62 that are, uh, that are on Medicare. This makes it too easy for hospitals to commit Medicare fraud, which I hope they go after the hospitals for this. I hope they do. You know, I said, I said if I was a bank that did all those, those short sales in 2008, 2009, 2010, I would have a special team that went and pulled title on every one of those houses to find out how many of the people that sold their houses actually own them today and go back and, and get them for fraud. Because too many people said, hey, I'm, I, I, I stopped making my payments because the, uh, the realtor told me to, and now I'm short selling it to this guy. And it, this guy is really my uncle, who's really just going to buy it and get rid of $100,000 worth of debt. And then I'm just going to take it back from him. And then he'll beat it back to me and I'll refinance it. And I'm just screwing the bank for 100000 bucks. Okay. The hospitals are doing the same damn thing to Medicare. And bottom line is us taxpayers pay that. And so you'll see, you'll see the Trump administration jack up the national debt, just like the Obama administration, but it all, none of it happened because for the good of the country, you know, five, $5 trillion of it came because of all the abuse of the system for COVID. So here's the rest of the facts they won't, they won't publish. Medicare pays hospitals $13,000 for every Medicare patient diagnosed with COVID-19 before or after death. And 39,000 if the patient goes on, on a ventilator. You heard about that back on our show on May 8th, and I've repeated it several times, where we talked about Dr. Judy Mikovits in the movie Plandemic. As you know, all the content related to Plandemic has been removed from the internet, including the movie's own website. If you don't believe it, go to edhoffman.net. We have a link to it. Click on it, and you'll see, what happened? It went away. But guess what? Judy Mikovits, Laura Ingram, and anyone else who, you, who uh, uh, heard, this, heard this from didn't make those statistics up out of thin air. It was also reported on the Kaiser Family Health Foundation. That's the place where you guys all go. Most everybody has a group policy, goes to Kaiser because they only have a $5 copay. Um, uh, that, but the, uh, and they're a group that the liberals love. That estimated Medicare payment for COVID-19 is $13,297 for less severe hospitalizations and 40218 for serious hospitalizations where the patients were treated with ventilators for at least 96 hours. So once you go on a ventilator, I guarantee you're going to be on there for four days because that's when they get the money. And of the 100,000 deaths, how many have occurred in nursing homes and assisted living facilities? 42%. That's almost half, folks. And you know what? And we know that half of them are just BS because they really didn't die. You know, hey, if if the if the if the uh, average lifespan in the country is 78, and 90% 90% of everybody who died is over 78. Probably they had other problems and they just listed COVID-19. 
And uh, and it's a good thing. It, and it's a good thing that CNN isn't exploiting the tragedy and blaming it on the president. The number of deaths in the United States just shy of that horrific 100,000 milestone. At this moment, the number of lives lost stands at 99,783. A tragedy that did not have to happen, according to health experts, had the U.S. taken action sooner. Yeah, and which is all a bunch of BS because if you remember the whole the whole government was dealing with the impeachment while Trump was the only one paying attention to it while the rest of the Democrats are grandstanding trying to make get him impeached. And that's and that's not just the media blaming president. Let's hear about how Mr. Magoo, I mean uh, Mr. Kindness and Decency Joe Biden demonstrated that the Democrats never let a crisis go to waste. For most of you, you weren't able to be there when you lost your beloved family member or best friend. For most of you, you weren't able to be there when they died alone. With the pain, the anger, and the frustration, you'll wonder whether or not you'll ever be able to get anywhere from here. It's made all the worse by knowing that this is a fateful milestone we should have never reached. We could have been avoided. According to a study done by Columbia University, if the administration had acted just one week earlier to implement social distancing and do what it had to do. Just one week sooner, as many as 36,000 of these deaths might have been averted. I wonder how many times they had to edit that, put it out, because he sounds like he's slurring his words. He sounds like he's halfway dead as himself. And, of course, if you saw him go out on Memorial Day with his wife, it, he had his 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 black mask and his black glasses and his wife looked like his seeing eye dog out there leading him to okay walk over here joe put the wreath here joe and just look like his seeing eye dog then in thursday's white house press briefing jim acosta just couldn't resist asking the new press press secretary kaylee McEnany this yesterday the u.s hit a hundred thousand deaths from the coronavirus uh that happened at around Six o'clock yesterday evening, it took until about nine in the morning for the president to recognize that on Twitter. What took him so long? What took him so long? It took from six o'clock that night to nine o'clock the next morning. That's 13 hours. Well, let's see. There's sleeping. There's the George Floyd George Floyd issue that we'll talk about in a minute. And maybe, maybe his and his maybe he and his cabinet were trying to find a YouTube video to blame it on. Remember Benghazi? Hey, you know what? They called for help, and it took 13 hours for nine guys to defend everybody at the consulate and everybody there. And 13 hours later, four guys went home in a body bag, and the other guy, one, one had his arm almost shot off and uh, to get him on a plane. And when did, the America, when did America respond? They still didn't respond. They were too busy trying to figure out an excuse to blame it on a YouTube video, which is complete crap. Here's Kaylee McEnany's comeback to that. But the president recognized that landmark before we even hit it. The president, that was, after all, it was the impetus behind him lowering the flag to half staff. He did that for several days. Um, and, and that was an acknowledgement of that number approaching. And he acknowledged it in a tweet this morning. But we hit 100,000 yesterday evening and it took 13 hours, some odd hours to, for, for him to recognize that and tweet about it. Um, and far in advance of that benchmark, as I noted, he lowered the flag to half staff. You know, it's amazing. Thursday night, it got to a point I'm watching, I'm watching everything that's going on in the news. And I'm watching all this stuff and I'm watching social media. And I finally just said, you know what? I have to turn this off. This is just got me in a place I don't, I don't like to be in. 
I was so I was so mad and so angry. My wife and I were just looking at it. look at the idiocy of this country right now, and look at the difference between how how people on Fox and how PMS, NBC, and the Communist News Network we're all we're all playing everything that's going on. It's it's disgusting. It's disgusting, and it's just you know even social media. And in the in the wake of in the wake of all the mainstream media is in the tank for the Democrats and they color everything that the president says and any, anything that they, they want their agenda to, to be about social media has become the only, the only way that people can get unedited, unedited uh, real thoughts from the president, get people what they're really thinking without having to worry about what has to get edited because the FCC or what has, or, you know, who's editing because they, they want to put a different spin on it. Twitter got what it deserved on Thursday when the president signed an executive order that will start limiting the broad legal protections enjoyed by social media platforms. The goal is to make it easier for federal regulators to prevent companies like Facebook, Google, YouTube, and Twitter from suppressing free speech by suspending users, deleting posts, or as Twitter did this week, decide that the only person on their entire platform who deserves to be fact-checked is the president of the United States. This started Tuesday when Twitter placed its first-ever fact-check link on two of the president's tweets about mail-in ballots, which uh, will now be mailed to every voter in California after Gavin Newsom's latest executive order. So here's what, here's what the president tweeted. There's no way, zero, that mail-in ballots will, will be anything than substantially fraudulent. Mailboxes will be robbed, ballots will be forged, even illegally printed out and fraudulently signed. The governor of California is sending ballots to millions of people. Anyone living in the state, no matter who they are or how they got there, will get one. That will be followed up by professionals telling, telling all these people, many of whom have never even thought about voting before, uh, how and for whom to vote. This will be a rigged election. No way. And I have to absolutely 100% agree that we cannot let this, this election go to mail-in balloting because it's going to be fraud. And, you know, of course, I said something on Facebook and uh, someone challenged me, what's your source? What's your source? Well, let's see, 2016, they found 83 ballots mailed to one apartment in San Pedro. And they said, oh, this is a glitch in the system. It's not a glitch in the system. Somebody's out there registering people to vote and they registered Joe Brown and John Black and and uh, Huey Lewis and all these people and put the same address on it. They all registered Democrat and all the ballots came at the same place. And, Oh, wow. We don't have to show ID to register to vote. We don't have to show proof of citizenship. The Democrats know how to cheat. If we end up with a mail-in mail -in ballot election, that's where it's going to go. Can we blame the president for taking action? In the press briefing Thursday, Kaylee McEnany pointed out there's plenty of Chinese propaganda out there that Twitter seems to be fine with. She's referring to Chinese Communist Party tweets that blame the spread of COVID-19 on members of the U.S. military. And that tweet, that disinformation, it took all the way until today when we raised concerns about it to get a fact check. So they appear to be very hastily eager uh, to censor President Trump and some of his employees, but a little reluctant when it comes to China. It's a bit befuddling. She also points out some actions Twitter has taken in the recent past 
that prove facts are hardly their concern. And on the Mueller reports, their anti-Trump headlines uh, were anti-Trump by a ratio of 76 to 1. That's extraordinary, and it's not just bias aimed at President Trump and his employees. It's also aimed at everyday Americans. It's aimed at the movie Unplanned, uh, as Twitter suspended their account and then came up with an excuse in the aftermath. And then just another example, that liberals are allowed to incite violence against the Covington kids who were in the end proven right uh, and their video was taken out of context and yet these individuals were led uh, were allowed by Twitter uh, to incite violence. It's very disturbing to see. And what the executive order does, it, it basically is, is an act that gives online companies broad immunity from liability for content created by their users. In, in, order, in other words, if somebody says something that they, that they don't think is true or is true and they want to, they don't, they're not, they can't say, hey, we can't let that go on there because we're going to get sued for it. It gives them immunity from that so that people can speak. Here's the president after signing the order on Thursday. They've had unchecked power to censor, restrict, edit, shape, hide, alter virtually any form of communication between private citizens or large public audiences. There's no precedent in American history for so small a number of corporations to control so large a sphere of human interaction. And that includes individual people controlling vast amounts of territory, and we can't allow that to happen, especially when they go about doing what they're doing because they're doing things incorrectly. They have points of view, and if we go by that, it's actually amazing that there was a success in 2016, but we can't let this continue to happen. It's very, very unfair. Yeah, what he's saying is that with the way that social media is editing things, it's amazing that he even won the election in 16. But I don't think the social media people were working as hard because they didn't think he had a, a chance and a snowball's chance in hell to win. And then it caught them all by surprise. Oh, my God, Trump's the president. So things got worse Friday morning when the president responded to the riots happening in Minneapolis. And for those of you that have been living on under a rock, George Floyd, a guy that a uh, black guy in Minneapolis, which is insignificant. He's a guy in Minneapolis who got caught forging, uh, placing, uh, trying to pass phony $20 bills. He got arrested. He didn't, the, according to the video, it doesn't look like he was given any resistance. There's, I don't see any reason for what happened. We, we seem to be mysteriously missing the video from the time he's on the sidewalk and they start walking him till the time that he's on the ground. Somehow, I think somebody's missing some video from that time to where we see him on the ground with one of these moron cops with his, with his knee on the guy's neck. And the guy's struggling to breathe, and he starts bleeding out his nose. And the spectators, he's got uh, three other cops standing around holding the, holding the crowd back, and the crowd's going, look, calmly saying, look, he can't breathe. Take their knee off his neck. This guy belongs to be in jail for life. And the cops that are around him need to be in there for a long time, too. This is complete idiocy, police brutality. I'm, I'm as angry about it as anybody is, but it has nothing to do with what color George Floyd was. has not a damn thing to do it. When you watch, when you watch CNN or PMS, NBC, it's all about race. The Trump, Trump uh, tweeted out there, hey, I'm asking the, the, federal, the, uh, the FBI and the Justice Department to do a full investigation on the death of George Floyd. Biden went out, there needs to be a civil rights investigation. What's the difference? One has to do about race, and one has to do with about uh, the rights of a, of a human being. Has not a damn thing to do with what color this guy was, and it angers me because the, social, the, the liberal media will turn this into a race thing. 
So in response to the riots, the president tweeted, these thugs are dishonoring the member of George Floyd, and I won't let this happen. Just spoke to the governor, Tim Waltz, and told him the military is with him all the way. Any difficulty, and we will assume control. When the looting starts, the shooting starts. Thank you. Twitter flagged the tweet as glorifying violence, and CNN has spent most of Friday morning talking about it. President's tweet called protesters in Minneapolis thugs and used what historically, and there's a lot of history behind this, is an infamous quote, when the looting starts, the shooting starts. This goes back to the protest era in the 60s, civil rights yep. protest era. It has meaning, folks. My question is, is four cops need to be in jail. One of them as of Friday morning is, and he's, and he's been uh, charged with third degree murder and manslaughter. And the other three guys are, they're, they're going to, they're going to charge them with something. They just haven't done it as of the time I'm recording. That is a fact. That is a fact. I can't see any reason that these cops would do this priest police brutality and it was murder, but it has nothing to do with what color he was. And they're pushing it. They're pushing it. They're pushing it. Here's my question. No matter how mad you are, why are you looting target? Why, why are people in Louisiana and Kentucky and Los Angeles? They're going crazy. And they're going in and looting stores and all that stuff. What does that have to do with anything that happened? Put these cops in jail and let's get on with our lives. It's a tragedy. But you know what? There's, whether he was white or black or Asian or Mexican, it doesn't matter. He was a human being. And it had not a damn thing to do whether he was black, white, or anything else. It's not a race issue. Anyway, that's, that's my anger. That's my perspective. I think oppor- I see opportunists out there that just think this is an opportunity to steal and loot and go crazy, just the same way as free money from the government took some nice, calm people, uh, opportunity to steal money from the government. That's our tax money. And if you're one of those taxpayers, it ought to anger the hell out of you, too. When you see half your paycheck, go to the government. And what are they doing with it? They're giving it to people that are stealing. I'm not participating, in, and it angers me. And it's, I feel like it's my job to make to point this out to see everybody everybody's nice and christian until there's free money available anyway hey i'm all out of time for this half of the main event stay tuned for five minutes of weather traffic and commercials and we're gonna we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about real estate hi this is ed hoffman with summit funding and host of the main event heard weekends right here on am 590 the answer by now i'm sure you've all been hearing about the fact that mortgage rates have dropped a whole percentage point in the last 12 months so what does that mean to you well if you own a home it means we can possibly one reduce your payment Two, pull out cash and pay off other bills and then further reduce your payment. Or three, we can possibly reduce the term of your loan and get your home paid off years earlier than you planned. If you're over 62 considering a reverse mortgage, the lower the interest rates are, the more money you get on a reverse mortgage. And if you haven't even inquired about a reverse, you owe it to yourself to investigate this tremendous financing option. So if you're thinking about any of these, the time to act is now. For more information, call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921, event. My name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. I normally don't talk about real estate on this show because you might think it's boring, but this week I'm going to make an exception. As promised, 
for the last couple of weeks. I've got Josh Steck, the the uh, co-founder and CEO of Sunday Incorporated, a real estate investment company with one of the most innovative models in the industry. He's got great insights, and I wanted to, him to share share with you in this current business climate. So buckle up and listen up. Josh Steck, welcome to the main event. Thanks, Ed. It's great to be on, and uh, hey, everybody. All right. So, hey, Josh, your company flips properties, which means you buy them, you rehab them or remodel them, then you put them back on the market. Um, mm-hmm. There seems to be a lot of lot of companies in this that that do this kind of thing, but yours is a little bit unique. How did you How did you get started in this? Yeah, um, you know, I, I'd have to I'd take a trip down memory lane. There, I actually uh, I graduated from uh, university in two thousand eight. Things were looking a little dicey, so I went back to get my master's. And then I got out in 2009, and, um, and what I realized was America was on sale. So I actually moved out to Las Vegas and started buying, fixing, and flipping homes. Now, I had three Stanford degrees, so there was a lot I could have done, but I really saw the opportunity. So um, I did that for a few years. Um, then I was fortunate to be a founding partner at uh, a very large bridge lending or fix and flip lending company called Lending Home. And we, we used technology to do what nobody had ever done before, which was really consolidate the bridge lending business. So, um, you know, before we got involved, uh, the, the largest player was doing half a percent market share. And uh, I think you know, by at our peak, we were over 15% of the all uh, fix and flip lending in the entire country. So what really that experience led me to um, the Sunday. Um, what I realized, well, really my insight for Sunday was there are a lot of homeowners that uh, hit rough spots in their lives. And, you know, typically we don't always have the money available to renovate our homes like we would want. And when life hits us with something unexpected, you know, we turn to our house to help us solve the problem by freeing up the money in it. And that becomes really difficult to, uh, if, if your only prospect is to sell and you have a, a home that needs some love, as we like to say, or, or a home that needs some work. So what happens is then that homeowner is, is forced to sell off market to a fix and flipper. Now you said it. You said it right when you intro. There are a lot of companies doing fix and flip. Actually, uh, in 2018, there were over 240,000 homes that were fix and flipped, and they were done by over 160,000 companies. So you are right. And and but, but that's really the insight is that there is no one place that these homeowners can go and transact with certainty and know that they're dealing with a credible counterparty because really their only option is to go to mom and pops. And so. Uh, so anyway, so that's the inception story behind Sunday. We wanted to make a difference for homeowners that have a home that needs some love and that need to sell it uh, in a fair and transparent way. Okay, so to uh, to kind of uh, translate this into for some of my some of my uh, real uh, my listeners that that uh, don't know all the lingo. So you're in you're in bridge lending, which means private money lending. So people that that yep. need a temporary loan don't don't have don't want to go through the show us your taxes show us your bank statements tell us your life history and show us the label on your underwear and all the stuff that is required with lending today hey i've got a ton of equity i need some money i need some money to make this happen so you were part of of lending home which is a company that made those kind of loans for for uh people that need quick money so you got the insight into how the whole market worked and remember 2008 2009 the the entire real estate industry was melting down. So there was a lot of people, a lot of people out there that found themselves in, oh, what do I do now? So you uh you saw a need and you uh and you uh seized the moment. So tell tell us about the yeah, tell us about the exactly Sunday right. story. I know uh I know a lot of the people that work for your company and I know you guys all came from you you kind of did a 
all-star team from a lot of different companies. Yeah, well, the Sunday story, um, you know, we looked at, we sort of, we realized this was a problem that we wanted to help solve. This idea that there's no place that a homeowner that has a, a, a you know, home in bad shape can go and sell um, confidently for a good price. So we know, we knew we wanted to solve it. So we started surveying the landscape and you know, we noticed this, this company, We Buy Ugly Houses. Now, they happen to be the biggest brand in the business. Um, and they're a caveman that calls your house ugly. And we thought there could be maybe a, a bit of a better consumer experience um, than that. And so, um, so we, we really got inspired to sort of create a different vernacular or a different way of talking about this business. So, you know, we, we call ourselves the home buyers with heart. You know, our name Sunday doesn't, doesn't tell you that what we do. Um, but, uh, but, but the minute that you, you know, become involved with us, you realize we do things in a different way. You know, we, we call your house a one that needs some love. We don't call it ugly because we don't think it is. It just, it's gotten to a point where you know, it's out of your control and you need some help with it. So, so, you know, that was really kind of how we got going. And you're right. We've been really fortunate to attract really a, an all-star team. Um, you know, some of the, some of the, uh, biggest fix and flippers in the country, uh, who knew they were kind of always doing it a little bit wrong. Let me give you an example, actually, of of something that attracted um, talent to Sunday was there's a tactic in the industry that I'm sure a lot of listeners know, and that I know you know all too well. And uh, it's called it's called a, a strategic price reduction. So here's what happens: a fix and flipper visits um, Sally's home. Let's say let's say Sally's the homeowner, and um, they employ high pressure sales tactics to try to get Sally into the sale mode. And then Sally says, yeah, but you know, Zillow says my house is worth 300. Well, we all know that this home needs a lot of work and there's no way it's worth more than 250. But, but the, home, the, the flipper says, you know what, Sally, 300 sounds good. Sign right here. So that happens. Well, now Sally's marching towards close. She's pumped. She's ready to go. She finally solved this terrible problem that she had. She had to sell this home that was tough and no few realtors could help and this sort of thing. And then well, what happens is the flipper comes back to her two or three weeks later as they're T minus a week or so from close and says, you know, Sally, I sent that contractor over just to get a final look and uh, there's $40,000 of work I didn't see. Well, now Sally's put in a position of having to agree to a price reduction because she has no other options. That is a tactic that I kid you not, Ed, is taught in boot camps about how to become a real estate investor. Like they teach you how to do these things. So the Sunday story is just one of wanting to be the advocate for people that we, we feel are truly being taken advantage of that don't have a place to turn. Um, so, so, you know, we've attracted, um, really Polly Watts is, is somebody that I know you, you, you know, well, and she's the largest resale broker of renovated homes really ever in, in, in the country. She sold over 30,000 homes that have been fixed and flipped. So we've, we've managed to attract talent like that, um, under this banner of doing things right. So you're, so you're getting away from what the standard is in the fix and flip industry is called bait and switch get someone, get someone on the hook. And then when, then once they're, they're ready to move, they're emotionally committed, they're ready to go. They've already made commitments with the money they're going to get. Then you, then you, uh, dump the dump reality on them. And it's kind of, it's kind of a lot of lenders out there the same way I told, I had mm -hmm. someone yesterday and it's a, you know what they're talking about. They're going to set you up an impound account. That's, they say it's going to cost a thousand and twenty eight. $1,028, your taxes are $829 a month. There's no way these numbers are right. And then uh, when we look, looked at it, the, the refinance they did a few months ago, they don't have an impound account and they did not, they thought they did. So when their taxes come up in November, Hey, 
you need 5,000 bucks. And I say, hey, I'm in the business of, of uh, my borrowers are not mad at me at the closing table. And a year later, they're still not mad at me. They're calling exactly. me. Exactly. And it's a, it's a little different than what, what the mainstream guys out there do. So your company. Is, find, yeah. Exactly. Go ahead. Well, 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 I mean, I'll just, I'll just kind of double down on that whole point. You know, I think our businesses are very similar in that regard, sort of lending and, and, and buying and flipping homes. You know, our customers are very infrequent, right? They're, they're, you may do, you may help Sally and then you may never help Sally again. Why? Because she never, she doesn't need another loan maybe for 10 or 12 years or she doesn't, I hope she, she remembers you, but it's an infrequent transaction. Now, what's interesting about products like that. So lending or buying and flipping is that there's an incentive almost to try to extract as much from that customer as possible because you know, you're not going to have to deal with them again. And it creates this really negative incentive behavior in the industry. And until somebody comes in and just shocks the system, someone like you who has a conscious and says, you know what, this isn't the right way to do this. Um, it doesn't get fixed. So anyway, um, I know I, I'll get off my soapbox now, but I'm pretty passionate about it. No, I, li- about I like problem. your, I actually like your soapbox cause I, I do it all day. Hey, you know what? I saw something online that was a little cheaper than you. I'm not the cheapest one out there. I just play straight with you. Yep. And, uh, so, you know, would you rather be at the end and say 500 bucks or would you rather just have this be a, uh, a pleasant experience? So let's t- let's get back to your company. Your company finds buyers buyers for sellers that want to get rid of the the houses with the least amount of cost and hassle possible. So you're providing a service for those people that either couldn't take care of their properties or had renters who didn't take care of their properties. And and now for one reason or another, they need the cash, they need to cash them out and they don't have a marketable property. Then on the other side, you're taking eyesore properties and transforming them into neighborhood jewels, which makes all the neighbors happy. And then you're putting high quality rehabs on the market so that buyers with with less money can get into a home with just a down payment closing cost, not have to worry about rehabbing them. And uh, and what I've found is that most buyers have more money than they have time. And this this saves them money. Put your down payment, put your closing costs, move in, you're done. You don't have to do a bunch of rehab. And even if you have the money to do the rehab, most people don't have the times. They just so when they go in and look at these houses that are ugly. They just steer away from them because they don't want to move into a construction project. That's right. So with all that in mind, let me ask That's right. you. That's right. With, with all that in mind, you know, are you guys an essential service? Well, I absolutely emphatically think we are. Um, so let me, and, and I've been saying this on, you know, di- different TV segments and, and uh, great radio shows like this that I can get on. I'm, I've been trying to spread the good word that, yes, we are. And that's why, unlike uh, a lot of the iBuyers, this new segment of buyer who is, you know, really just trying to um, trying to provide a convenient alternative to the MLS and realtors for homes that don't need love. So totally a different segment than what Sunday does. But regardless, you know, they stopped buying. Well, why did they do that? You know, in my mind, it's because they didn't believe in their mission. They didn't think they were essential. Now, why did Sunday continue buying throughout this entire process? Was because there's really two reasons. One, in our mind, our clients needed us more than ever, right? So unfortunately, this has brought about the, the exact sorts of um, life events that are causing people to sell into the market that we're trying to totally change, right? So, you mm-hmm. know, unfortunately, death, divorce, job loss, financial distress, foreclosure, bankruptcy, these are the things that unfortunately drive the need for the product that we have. And that was happening more and more. And we figured, you know what, this is not the time to run for the hills. Let's stand beside our customers. And then, and then the second reason, and I think this is where um, maybe it clarifies for people that say, yeah, sure. But like, economically or like financially, why would you want to continue investing into a market like, like this, this pandemic market that we're in? And for us, it was really simple. 
you know, if, if we if we were buying homes that didn't need work and we were just trying to be an eye buyer that was attacking the real estate agent commission, that model that they have, I think we would have had to stop buying. But our model is to buy homes that need significant work and do value add construction. Value add construction, look, you know, if you put a dollar in and get two dollars out, I don't have to tell you that's a good deal. But look, if, if in today's environment we put a dollar in and still only get a dollar and a half out, well, look, that's still a good deal. So we're you know, it's not that we're just, you know, only that we're not a nonprofit, right? Like we do want to help people. But at the same time, our business model has allowed us to stay open because we're driving value through renovation. So um, yeah, it's, you know, it's uh, things, things have changed a bit, you know, we've moved away from physical uh, inspections, although we're doing, we're increasingly doing those as the market uh, opens a little bit. But for, for about a month and a half, we were, we were really heavily doing virtual inspections. We'd never done that before. So we did have to make some changes to our business, but we stayed open. Very good. And so that so now here's the here's the big question everybody wants to know about. So now that COVID nineteen has taken over our country and our economy, mm-hmm. and we're slowly starting to open up, tell me what changes you've seen so far in how people are buying homes, and how has this changed the seller's market? And as someone who's heavily immersed in both sides, how do you see this affecting real estate overall? It's a million dollar question. So um, I'm gonna yeah, I'll start with the uh, the disclaimer, you know, I, I don't know exactly what's going to happen. I don't, I don't happen. I don't have a crystal ball. I'll tell you what has happened and, and maybe, you know, sort of what I'm looking at to try to expect what's to come. Um, so what's happened is there was a re, there was an immediate pullback of inventory. So sellers delisted their houses and then anybody that was considering listing basically decided not to. So in many markets, California, especially we saw you know, anywhere from 50 to 60% drop in the available properties for sale. So that was, that was unprecedented and historical, like so many other things during this time. Um, then we looked at the buyer side and really the, the, there's a, there's a couple ways to look at uh, buyers or demand. Uh, one is mortgage applications for purchases. So if you look at that, you saw that drop 50% or more. I mean, it so it didn't drop to zero, you know, and of course it was so, but it dropped just unbelievably. Um, and and then the other thing we look at are pending sales. So so there is still a little bit of inventory on the market. Well, are those going under contract? So is there demand for them? And those dropped 50, 60% as well. So, but this was just this kind of initial whipsaw because of the amount of uncertainty that coronavirus is creating in our lives. Um, now we've seen that come back a bit. Um, you know, the government has done a lot of, I mean, they've stepped in in a way that is is quite impressive. Um, I mean, you'll probably remember the days of 2008, 2009, the biggest concern, really what drove that process beyond just loose lending was, um, was that foreclosures were allowed to happen at unprecedented levels. And that created this negative spiral of home prices. So uh, a home was forced to sell at a low price. It set a low comp for the market. And then now it created less homeowner equity. And then when they were forced to sell, they had to take a lower price and it created this really negative uh, feedback loop. Well, we don't have that this time. Uh, and that's been really positive to prop up uh, prices. So, so we've seen initially less supply, initially less demand, and then, but but actually, prices have been relatively stable, and in some markets, even inching up just a tiny bit. So that's what's happening now. And actually, in the last week or two, we've seen a very very big change um, at, at uh, purchase applications. For example, purchase mortgage applications are now actually up year over year. So the same time, the same week last year. Um, Purchase purchase applications are up nine percent. Uh, it's just unbelievable from from down fifty percent. So we're starting to see a bit of a rebound in in demand. 
Um, and, and, and we're starting to see supply kind of come onto the market. But I think, I think what we're going to see moving forward is um, home prices that are going to continue to be propped up by economic stimulus and, and just new seller buyer behavior. I think, though, as soon as there's a vaccine or at least enough confidence that we can go about our business for the most part without this impacting our lives like it has, I actually think there's going to be a flood of, it, of new inventory. I think sellers that are going to need to sell this just wasn't, wasn't the right time are going to sell. I think that it's not going to be met by as much demand because mortgage rates are artificially low right now. That is not going to last. Um, that's not going to last forever. Like it's, it's a good time. To, it's definitely a good time for your business. Uh, and I think a lot of people should think about refining or purchasing because rates are low. I just think it's going to be hard to imagine demand meeting the wave of supply that I think is going to crash on the market in the next nine to 12 months. So, so I'm a little bit different than most, like, you know, clearly nobody can argue with what's happened, but in terms of what's going to, I'm less bullish. You know, we were at the end of an 11 year bull run. I just, I just think it was a house of cards ready to fall. I think if you're going to sell, this would be my advice to sellers. You sell them now. I think prices are going to drop over the next 12 months. I really do. So, uh, so in the, in the words of my friend uh, that owns uh, Remax and Mammoth, you never, you never lose money taking a profit. That's right. Exactly. So if you're, if you're thinking about selling, uh, don't think it's going to get any better than this. You, nobody ever sells at the exact top and nobody ever buys at the exact bottom. So before we run out of time, if someone wants to unload a piece of property that they just don't know what to do with and they're frustrated and they just assume, hey, I'm just going to get out of California and do my thing. How do they, how do they get in touch with Sunday? Um, a couple ways. I mean, we, we love to talk. We, uh, we're a bit old school in that way, but we love the phone. So, uh, you can always give us a call, but you know, Sunday.com. And, and by the way, Sunday is spelled uh, with an E, not a Y. So S U N B A E. If you go to Sunday.com, um, you can inquire, you know, through the web and we'll call you within a few minutes, or you can find our number on, uh, on the website. And, uh, and give us a ring there. And we have a group of customer advisors that'll pick up the phone and their job is really what it sounds like. It's to advise you on what's best. If you, if you know, if in our line of questioning, we realize you have a home that doesn't need work, it's in great shape. We got a, we got an agent, uh, a referral network that we'll, we'll put you in touch with. We don't make any money for it, but you know, we want what's best for, for, for the people calling. But if your home does need work um, and you're having a hard time selling it and we think we could be the right option, then we'll send somebody out and, um, and we'll uh, we'll go through the details with you. So Sunday.com is the best way to get in touch. Great. Hey Josh, we're just about out of, out of time. I want to thank you for coming on. We'll have you we'll have you on again. We're doing we're doing lots of uh, business together now. So uh, yep. we'll stay in touch, and I'll uh, have you back on the back on the on the radio as uh, as the conditions change. I hope you're open to that. I am very open to it. Anytime you'd like. Thanks for doing this, and thanks for having me. Fantastic. Thanks, Josh Steck from Sunday Homes. Hey, just in case you didn't hear Josh Steck say, if you want to get in touch with him, it's www.sundae.com. Hey, I'm, I'm all out of time for this episode of the main event. I want to give a shout out to the uh, Chafee Community Republican Women's Federated that uh, had me as a guest speaker this past week, uh, past uh, Wednesday. 85 people there. Great turnout. Great time. Hey, I'm all, my name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event, and I'll be back again with you next week. The opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Summit Funding Incorporated. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921, Hi, everyone. This is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event. Heard weekends right here on AM 590, The Answer. 
For those of you that are 62 or older and haven't taken the time to inquire into a reverse mortgage, here are some great reasons to consider one. One, you don't have to make monthly mortgage payments unless you want to. Two, a reverse mortgage can supplement your retirement income and allow your retirement savings to last longer, which will save you money on taxes or possibly allow you to delay taking Social Security benefits, which will increase your benefit when you do. Three, when you finally pass on, your kids inherit the home and the equity in it, along with the money that has accumulated in your bank account from not having to make monthly mortgage payments. Four, no prepayment penalty if you decide to sell the home or refinance out of it. And the biggest reason, it's your equity. Use it when you want it. Interest rates are low, which means more money available, so if you've inquired before and it didn't work, it may work today. Calling to find out more details is free, so call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020, or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo. AM 590, the answer.